0: Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at encounterpgh.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, we are in the middle of our freshman of. Have you ever wished began Easter Sunday, and um, we are. Asking the question of, have you ever wished that you could just start over? Have you ever wished that you could get a second chance or a fresh start? And we talked about how that is possible in our lives because of the new life that Jesus Christ offered to us through his death and his resurrection. And that's sort of the beginning of all of this, right? Is that that the new life that God wants for each of us to have and the purpose that we talked about last week, to be able to find meaning in our lives, that all of it is possible because of the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. And so today we're going to continue with our series, uh, Fresh Start. And uh, now that we're forgiven... The question, I think, is, is, okay, well, what about the rest of my life? Like, what about the rest of me? Now that, now that our soul has been reconnected to our Creator, what about my everyday existence? How is it that, that now, is there a fresh start that's available for me in my relationships? Is there a fresh start that's available for me from my past and, and from my mindsets and the things that I do and the struggles that I have? Is there a way that God's love and his power can affect the things that actually are physical and tangible in this life, and so today the title of the message is all fixed up, all fixed up, and so the word of the day. If any of you guys have seen Sesame Street, I uh, was an addict of Sesame Street. So the word of the day today is restoration, restoration. Who likes Sesame Street? Or at least at one point did like Sesame Street. All right. So my favorite guy was actually not Count. This is the only one I could find on, on Google. But I, my favorite was, was, uh, was Burton Ernie, but also I, I love Snuffy. Snuffy was my favorite because he was just adorable. But I love the word of the day. And so today we're going to be talking about restoration, okay, this idea of restoring. And this is a very familiar concept, I think, um, in our community as well. But, but I want to tell you a, just sort of a brief story or kind of an example. Example about restorations. My father-in-law, his name is Manly. Manly is his name. It's actually his first name is James and his middle name is Manly, so James Manley League. But but everybody calls him Manly, and it's true. He is probably one of the manliest men that I know of. And he knows how to fix things. All right. So my life, I am not a handyman. I don't know how to repair things. We had to call him last week because our toilet the toilet seat was sort of sliding and, and I'm like, I don't know how to make the toilet seat not slide off the off the the the, the bowl piece. And so we call him up and I'm asking him, and I said, "Hey, it's doing this thing. He said, oh, it's probably the screws, just not tight enough." And so I said, "Well, how, okay, you gotta like very elementary, very rudimentary. Tell me how to, you know, do this." He's okay. Well, there's a little pop on the back. You pull it in there, and all you need is a tab. So the tab's there, and he's telling me, "I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about." This is me, okay? But Manly, on their hand, on the other hand, is is all about restoring things. His one of his favorite hobbies is to is to just basically take the inside of something and to renovate it. They they have built an apartment that they used to live in when they moved in with my brother-in-law. They had just built a house. And so Manley and, and Barbara, my mother-in-law, um, they had an empty shell of a basement and they turned it into an, uh, to a sweet apartment. I mean, they, they, they put the hardwood floors down. They put the plumbing in. They knew what to do with it. Then they moved out and they bought a house in Covington, Kentucky, which is just south of Cincinnati. And they, it was this old, gutted, just horribly run-down home that they bought for dirt cheap in, a, in sort of a neighborhood that 's kind of on making its way back, so they bought it really cheap and and they 've spent the last eight years of their life just restoring. This, whole, this, this house, I mean, they've redone the steps and they've redone the floors. They ripped all the cabinets down and they put up new ones. They've got this beautiful island and nice appliances and all of these things. Manly knows how to restore things and knows how to fix them. I have no idea how to do it. I'm not good at it. I think in our community, we, we value this as well. In Lawrenceville particularly, you could see there are houses that are, that are old, a lot of old houses in Lawrenceville. And what's happening right now, people are, are buying them and then they're taking them from what's inside Things that are un- run down, things that are neglected, perhaps, or or maybe there's even damage in there, and then they're they're renovating them, they're restoring them. Okay, we understand this concept of restoration. There is something special about taking something that's broken taking something that's been forgotten and restoring it think about antique cars or or maybe uh, motorcycles or 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 even artwork i mean some people love to go find something that was once beautiful and take it and give it some love and fix it up and make it you know, repurposed or, or bring it back to its original use. I mean, do we have any car enthusiasts in here? Anybody who's ever rebuilt a car or, or knows somebody who's rebuilt cars? There is just an amount of love and interest that goes into the time and the care that it takes to rebuild something that was once broken. But you know what? This is God's specialty. God's Speciality is taking something that was forgotten, taking something that's been damaged, taking something that's been broken, something that's been neglected. And his specialty is to take that thing and to give some TLC to it and to love it and to restore it back to what it was once to be done, once once originally its purpose was. And he wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in my life. He wants to do that in areas of our life that were once that we consider to be long dead or even hopeless situations. And so today as we are going to talk about a fresh start and how we can be all fixed up in our lives, I want you to take this picture before we get into God's Word and the Scripture of where, we're to, where we're going to study from today. I want you to imagine yourself as a home that is run down or a home that is, that is old and needs some rehab. Okay, think of it that way. I want you to, to imagine yourself as a home that has been newly purchased, okay? Because the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, that he paid for our sins and he ransomed us. So what it basically is saying that Jesus Christ owns the mortgage on our lives, okay? So he owns us as far as our souls. When we come to him, we say, God, I, sur- I surrender to you like we sang in this last song. We're basically saying, well, I recognize that you own the deed to my life. I give it to you you now. Okay, so he's purchased us and he loves us and he's not just one of those guys that's going to come in there and go, well, I bought this house and I'm going to rent it out to some people. I'm not going to be a slumlord and and keep it this junky place. No, that's not what God does. Instead, I want you to view for the rest of this message, I want you to view your life from the perspective of God has purchased you, and now he wants to look at you and he wants to identify places in your life that maybe, that maybe need a little TLC, that need a little bit of love, and he wants to show you how he can take things that were broken, things that are maybe that just need, need some, a new touch, a new, new coat of paint. You follow what I'm saying? Let's just, let's just view that today is that he owns us and now he wants to restore us, okay? So let's go into God's word and we're gonna read from Revelation chapter 21. Don't worry, we're not gonna get into some crazy stuff from Revelation today. If you have a Bible with you, please open it to Revelation chapter 21. In case you don't know, Revelation is the last book in the Bible, so it's easy to find, okay? Chapter 21, we'll also have the verse on the screen here and it's also on your note page inside of your program. Verses one through five. Then I saw a new heaven, and a new earth, for the old heaven, and the old Earth had disappeared. So obviously, at this point we're talking there's this this is a future vision that John is having here. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a shout, a loud shout from the throne of God saying, "Look, God's home!" is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Verse four, I love this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And then the one sitting on the throne, Jesus Christ, said, look, I am making everything new. Now this is from the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and it gives us a promise of what is to come, okay? So we see this, that the whole book of Revelation is really this prophetic uh, image, this vision that that the man named John the Revelator, okay? John saw this image when he was on prison on an island uh, for his faith, and, and God gave him this vision of this is what is to come, And at the end of a lot of of actions and events that take place in the book of Revelation, the end of it, God promises to restore everything. And we talked in the beginning of this Fresh Start series on Easter that all of the stuff that we see in the book of Revelation, this moment right now where Jesus is on the throne saying, look, I am making everything new, all of this end began at the resurrection. The moment that Jesus Christ, the power of God, raised him from the dead and out of the grave, from the moment, from that very moment, the beginning of what we see here Where the new heaven and the new earth, when all of pain and all tears will be wiped away. Where there will be no more death, there will be no more sorrow. That is coming for us, but we're not there yet. But the beginning of restoration, the beginning of that rehab in our lives, the beginning of all of creation began in this moment when Jesus Christ rose from the grave. God is promising that he's going to restore all things. He is committed to fixing broken things. And so today our big idea, the thing that just drives this whole message, the big idea is that a fresh start with Jesus Christ triggers healing and restoration. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. This is important to note that a fresh start, the new life in Jesus Christ, triggers healing and restoration. Okay, so I said already that he purchased us, that Jesus owns the mortgage on our lives because of his death and his resurrection. But he is not content to just leave us and say, okay, great, you're forgiven. You got your ticket into heaven, and now I'm just going to leave you in your mess. No. It triggers. That new life, that fresh start that he gives us is not just for our souls. It's also for our lives. It triggers healing, and it triggers restoration. The Easter resurrection story shows us the restoring power that is available to all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. And as we allow his resurrection power to give us new life, like we talked about in week one, and a connection to our creator, and when we give him influence in our lives to shape us, and like we talked about last week, to give us purpose in our life, that same power will then begin to overflow and spill over into other areas of our life. And we will begin the healing and restoration in them. Let me read that again. As we allow his resurrection power to give us new life and connection to our creator, and when we give him influence in our lives to shape us and give us purpose, that same power will begin to spill over into other areas of our life and will begin healing and restoration in them. We have this image that I created, a a process of what this looks like for us. If we could put that on the screen when we begin a new life in Jesus Christ, when we, when we allow our soul to be restored, that's the beginning of it, all of it for us. But then what we talked about last week is that he wants to not just, not just give us a connection back to our creator, but when we find that new life, he says, I created you for a purpose. And when we begin to align ourselves in his purpose, when we begin to live out for, for what he has created us and called us to be, it's only then that we can begin to see the restoration and healing in our life because because we can't we can't find the true healing that we need emotionally relationally physically we can't find these things. We can't tap into the power of that until we are filled with what God wants for us. If we are constantly running through our lives, trying to, trying to find fulfillment in areas outside of the true source of life, we're gonna end up with having, banging our head up against the wall constantly. So that's why this process works because we start with the new life in Jesus, but then that new life then gives us the ability to open ourselves up and say, what is it I'm here for? And then when we step into the, okay, God, what do you want from me? What did you create me for? When we step into that, when we begin to allow God's influence into our life, something powerful happens. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave, the same power that has the ability to give us purpose and pave the way in front of us and give us favor in life is the same power that then begins to spill over into the rest of our life and can now affect our relationships. It can now affect other aspects of our life. Think of it as keys. Think of it as unlocked doors, okay? As we give the Spirit of God influence in our life, we begin to unlock areas of our life for His power to be able to move into. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we don't allow God to give us the new life, if we don't allow Him to then give us purpose in our existence, we are closing off other areas of our life to Him where His power could change and affect us. But when we begin to allow Him to say, Jared, when the Spirit of God says, Jared, I don't like the way that you think in this area of your life. I didn't cause you to be an insecure individual. And if I give him that space in my life to begin to begin to, to affect that and to, to speak his truth in life into that area, I now unlock the ability of the Holy Spirit to speak into that place. That influence comes into my life in that place and then begins to chip away at that. It begins to transform that. And then I begin to be restored to where I no longer struggle with those things. And it can be anything. It can be areas of your life. It could be with your marriage. It could be with your children. It could be your job. As we begin to open up and allow his influence into different compartments of our life that we have locked away, then and only then will we be able to see the fixed up restoration ability when we give him that space. I hope that makes sense. God wants to give each one of us a fresh start in our lives he can and will bring restoration to us. But what does this look like in my life? I've put together a couple thoughts. A restored life looks like this. We're going to move on here. A restored life begins spiritually. This is where it all begins, okay? So everything has to begin here. God cannot do the work that he wants to do deep inside of us unless we have the new life, the connection back to our creator. We, I just talked about this. Think of it like a bull in a china shop. If God wants to come in and he wants to fix up all the areas of our life, and we think of it like a bull in a china shop, so like if, if, if the china and all the beautiful things that God wants to move into our life represents the china, the bull would be us being the individual who doesn't know how to handle it. All the bad habits that we live with, all the wrong mental mental patterns that we have, all the dysfunctional concepts of greed and selfishness, and all the things that we struggle with as human beings— unless we allow God influence in our life, We're just being a bull in a china shop. We're just running around recklessly smashing up the things that God restored. If you have ever lived in a space, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. If you find that God fixes something in your life, but then you revert back to your old habits or you don't allow his influence in your life to shape you for a long term, what happens? You end up back into the old ways and you end up destroying the things that you had built and that God had restored. That's why it's so important to understand that a restored life begins with the spirit, it begins in the heart, where Jesus Christ can transform us in our most inner space. I know you want God to transform your marriage. I know you want Him to transform and restore your relationship with your kids or with your coworker or or whatever it might be. I know you want Him to restore your finances. I know you. you can, but He cannot. He is limited in His ability to do that, or at least be able to keep it solid and moving forward firmly until we allow him to have influence in our life. A restored life begins spiritually. And when we do allow him to have influence, and we do begin to align ourselves with him on a daily basis, we find peace in life. In our center, we find a stillness no matter what's going on. Our circumstances do not dictate what happens inside of us any longer when we find peace in our spirit. We find purpose in life. And we find the power to be able to move forward. We will have freedom from oppression and from evil influence when we are connected spiritually. When we are restored spiritually, we will have freedom from influence of the devil and from his, his legions. It will begin the restoring of our heart and our mind, and it influences everything else. You have to understand that a restored life, in order for us to be all fixed up, it begins in the spirit, it begins in the heart. The second space of a restored life is through our relationships. As we begin to center ourselves on Jesus, his resurrection power first changes me. We want our relationships to be fixed. We want our marriages to be restored. If my wife and I have been fighting and we're on the rocks in our marriage, if that's the case, we want our marriage to be better, but we often think that that, that the other person has to change first, that they're the problem. I'm sure I understand I've got some problem in my marriage, that I'm part of the, the problem, but we often look at the other person as the source of our issues more often than not. But what happens is, is that when we allow Jesus Christ and his spirit to change us, then and only then will he begin to change the relationships because he cannot restore something that we're not willing to see that we need a problem or we have a problem with in the first place. So our, as we begin to center ourselves around Jesus, his resurrection power changes us first and then begins to influence others. This happens in our marriage. As I begin to, as I begin to act towards my wife, the way that Jesus Christ teaches me to love her, to to be willing to give her everything, to put her before me. Jesus Christ, in the Bible, says, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And what does that mean? Jesus Christ laid his life down for the church of Jesus Christ. He gave up everything, sacrificed himself, endured pain and hardship. And so in any relationship, Jesus calls us to be influenced by him first and to be willing to see that she is more important or he is more important than my own desires and my own, my own things. Yes, I'm, it drives me nuts when she does this or does that or we fight about this thing, whatever it might be. But until I can allow Jesus to, to change the way I think, until I can allow him to, to affect the way that I look at her or other people my marriage, your marriage will not be restored because you are not allowing Christ to change you first. The same thing happens with your children. The same thing happens with your coworkers. Whatever it is, whatever relationship God wants to restore, begin by allowing him to change the way you see people, the way that you react. If you find that you're always getting in arguments, perhaps the Lord is trying to say you, you fly off the handle too much. Perhaps he's trying to teach you about your temper or your attitudes, or I don't know, whatever it might be. The Spirit of God wants to transform your relationships, but it always starts with you. You first, it always does. So a restored life begins with our spirit or it begins by having a vibrant and thriving connection with our creator. It means reading God's word. That means understanding his truth and, and applying it to our lives and, and being connected that way and listening to the spirit, prompting us to do things in our life. And as we do those things, that power begins to change us and make us new people. I'm a different man today than I was 10 years ago. Because oh, through that process of saying, God, I know I mess up in these spaces. I know that I'm, I'm not good enough. I know that I'm, I, I mess up as a dad or I mess up as a husband or whatever it might be. Right? I know that, but I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to say, God, help me to be better. And as I do, he begins to change me. And as I begin to be changed, my responses to situations in my relationships with my kids or with my marriage or whatever it might be begin to change. And then those relationships begin to heal. When you remove, the first step to healing any wound is to remove the things that are stuck inside of it. Shrapnel or whatever it might be, you've got to clean it out. And the only way to do that is to clean out what you are contributing to it. So the Spirit of God changes us first and then influences others. And we reap what we sow. I want to... Hit on this. We talked about this a lot last month in the financial series, but the principle of reaping and sowing is really everywhere. As we sow God's principles in our lives, we will begin to reap the blessings of restoration. That's just the way that it works. You need to understand the concept of of sowing and reaping. If you sow the seeds of what God wants for your life, His design for your life, His purpose for your life, if you sow into His principles, you will reap restoration. That's just how God works. So, understand that in your relationships. It may also require faith and prayer. Things are not gonna change for you overnight. Your relationship with your wife or your husband or with your kids or with an estranged brother or sister or, or with your coworker, they're not gonna happen overnight. Just because you all of a sudden start acting nicely or start acting differently, in fact, it might even be weird for a while. They're gonna be like, who is this person that's now treating me with respect? Who is this person that is going out of the way to do nice things for me or whatever it might be? It might be odd and awkward at first because it, you're, you're setting new patterns into place. But you need to be strong with it and trust and pray and ask the Lord, God, I don't see this thing happening in my marriage. I, I feel like my husband doesn't want to be, this to be fixed, but I am not giving up. I'm praying for this thing. I'm praying for restoration. I'm praying for wholeness. I'm praying for healing. Whatever it is in your life, it requires faith and it requires prayer in addition to you applying changes in your life. So, let's move on. A restored life begins spiritually. It overflows into our relationships. And it even affects us physically. Physically, I believe that God wants and can and does heal people physically today. I believe it. I've seen it. I have seen people be prayed for and I have seen them be healed of sicknesses. A great story of this is when I was in Cincinnati, Ohio. I remember being at a Sunday night, I think it was a Sunday night service and and there was a guy who came in and at the end of the service, he felt like, it was a pastor, like an evangelist, and he felt like at the end of the service that God was saying, I want you to pray for people who are sick. So he called up some people and there was one particular girl, a girl who who had been deaf, I think at least most of her life, if not all of it. She had been deaf. She couldn't hear anything. And I remember sitting back in the sound booth I used to run sound when I was at that church, and I was sitting back there just looking while he was praying over people. And he came up to this girl, and he prayed over her. She couldn't hear anything, so she's just sort of sitting there in the front with her, with her head bowed and her hands in front of her. And he puts his hands on her shoulder, and we're going to see in a few moments. There's a scripture or passage that talks about laying hands on, on someone to pray for them. And he put his hands on her shoulders, and he started praying for her. And he had a microphone, so he was just praying, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for your healing. By Jesus' stripes, his wounds on the cross, you are healed. This is what Scripture teaches. And he just prayed for her. And he said, amen. And he, he just he said, okay, well, we're going to test this, because I believe in faith that God will heal. And so what did he do? He, he's standing behind her, and I'm watching. And He sits there right by her ears and puts his, his hands up to her ears and snaps his fingers. Right like this. And the face that she made was incredible. She just like for the first time she heard a sound from something behind her. He didn't touch her. He just prayed for her in faith that God will do what he says he can do. And he snapped her finger, his fingers in, next to her ears where he couldn't even she couldn't see and her eyes lit up like a Christmas tree because she was able to hear something for the first time. Now, I don't know if she was fully healed. I don't know if it was a temporary thing and it was a process over time. I don't know those answers, but I know that the power of God in that moment touched and restored the ears of a girl who hadn't been able to hear for at least many years. God heals today. In fact, there are 140 verses in the Bible about healing. 41 occurrences in the New Testament alone of Jesus healing people. In fact, in several of those occasions, it actually says that the entire town just brought all the sick. So it was like however many there are, he healed all of them. So that means hundreds If not, maybe even thousands... I mean, those, those times where Jesus fed the 4,000 or the 5,000 with the fish and the bread and you know the story where he multiplied all of that stuff, like, before that story happened, what happened was is it actually said that Jesus was on the hillside and he was praying for people. He was teaching people and healing all the sick and restoring them. So if there's a, a group of 4,000, 5,000 people, I know that among our church, just from our prayer requests that we get in on the connection cards and from the prayer wall and from people talking to us, I know that in our church of 60, 70, 80 people, that, that there are ha- of the population who have some kind of physical ailment or sickness. So imagine a group of 4,000 or 5,000 people. I mean, imagine that. And it says that he healed all of them. The Bible is so clear that Jesus doesn't, that, that God doesn't just want to leave us and help our relationship, that he actually cares about our bodies. He wants us to be healthy. We are instructed to pray for physical healing and to have faith. That God desires for us to be restored physically. So not only spiritually restored, not only even relationally restored, but physically he wants to fix our bodies. Let's read from James chapter 5, verses 13 and 15. And this is what it says. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Now get this. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. Again! The death and the resurrection of Jesus is where this all begins for us. There's a very famous line from Scripture that many people have heard. You've heard me say it today. Isaiah 53 says, by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. It's this picture of the Messiah being pierced for our transgressions, right? Being wounded for our iniquities, for our sin. And it says that the whippings, the lashings, the, the, the scrapes and the cuts on his body are what have paved the way for us to receive healing in our life, whether it be physically, whether it be Emotionally, whether it be uh, you know uh, relationally, God is sovereign, and He knows what is best for each one of us, even when we don't understand. And sometimes I've seen people pray for others, and immediately they're healed, and I've seen other people be prayed for, and it's, they don't. And I don't know why. I don't understand why, in that moment, God chooses to do a miracle in one's life and another's He doesn't, but He is sovereign. That means that God knows every nook and cranny of our life. That means that he sees the path ahead of us. He sees the turns. He sees the people we are going to come across. He sees the people we will speak to, that we will influence. He understands, and I believe with all my heart, that if for whatever reason I pray for an individual or you pray for an individual and believe in faith that that person will be healed or that their situation, it may not even be physically. We could not be extending this to, to our financial situations. We could be extending this to our marriages or to whatever it is. When we pray in faith that God is going to take care of something and restore something and it doesn't happen in the way that we see or we want it to or expect it to, when that happens, I believe with all my heart that God does that, not because he's just like, well, sorry, I just didn't feel like it, or man, I'm tired today and don't have the energy to be able to do it. No, I believe that, that for some reason he sees other people this moment, and he says, I'm going to use it for my glory and for other people to be restored. Sometimes, sometimes he chooses to allow us to be in a situation of, of pain or of, of suffering in some way, whether it be relationally, emotionally, physically. He allows these things to happen because he knows where we are in our heart, okay? He knows that our bodies are just temporary. He knows that in the end, in Revelation 21, that, the, that all things being new are coming. He knows that in the end, we will all be restored and we will all be healed. But, but just maybe he knows that that one of us or some of us could, could handle it for now to where we, where we come across people and they see how we act in the middle of our pain or our suffering or our, our problems. And it points people to Jesus. Sometimes Jesus knows that, that the miraculous healing will influence the people so much that they will be pulled to him through the miraculous. But sometimes I believe that he knows that, that, that it's the opposite is true. That just the the faith that we will move forward in our struggle, in our pain, while we await for God to restore our lives, that that is what speaks to people enough to pull him to Jesus. I don't have the answers of why God seems to do some things with one person but not another. I don't have those answers. But I believe that he wants to restore us. Our role is to be obedient, to pray for the sick, to pray for our situations, to pray for our finances, to pray for our marriages, to pray for our children, to pray for our country, to pray for our boss and our co-workers. God's desire is that we would all find healing and wholeness in our lives. We live in a broken, we live in a fallen world, and we are all in process. None of us have arrived. None of us have gotten to Revelation 21 yet. And until Jesus returns, we will continue to struggle. We will continue to fight the battle between what is now and what is to come. And in faith, and through the power of the resurrection of Jesus, we can receive a fresh start in our souls, that new life, in our relationships, and in our bodies. So our challenge today is this. Would you step into restored life through faith? Step into a restored life. I'm going to remind you of James 5 again. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and will make you well. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.